0: This week on Dig Me Out
1: With your hosts Jason Zia and Tim Minichi,
2: Jay, this week we're back with an album review, but it's not just any album review, Jay.
1: Oh, yeah? What's so special you know, about it?
2: It's our Halloween episode! Whoa! Insert Spooky. Halloween sounds. Yeah, we're going to make this a tradition. I, d- I decided upon that. Last year, we did the Groovy Ghoulies, thanks to Eric Peterson's pick. It was a perfect holiday pick for the uh, All Hallows Eve. And I said, hey, this one lands on the 30th the day before Halloween. Let's do another one. So we made it our third quarter contest. Whoever was a Patreon subscriber by the end of the third quarter of 2018 got their name entered and I used a internet randomizer website to, after assigning a number to each name and uh, the the number came back and the winner joining us from, I forgot, is it Chicago? Is that right?
0: right outside of chicago brookfield
2: welcome oc
0: hey how's it going thanks for having me guys i'm glad i have this opportunity
2: for you tell everyone for this evilest of episodes what you have chosen to
0: (laughs) well when i was thinking about uh the spirit of halloween i think of i think of haunted houses i think of costumes and scary movies uh, that usually include a, a bit of gore uh, and all that type of stuff. And mm-hmm. I kind of thought that uh, the most uh, perfect Halloween band I could come up with uh, was Gwar. Uh And, you know, uh, and I hear their their opus is uh, Scum Dogs of the Universe from 1990.
2: Excellent. Jay, were you familiar yes. with Gwar? Other, I mean, you probably knew the name, but had you ever yeah. listened to them or seen them live?
1: never seen them live. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember them quite a bit. They were on, uh, Headbangers ball, which I was a big fan of in the early nineties, uh, in the late eighties. And I remember they would poke like pop up in the news here and there. I remember in kind of the, th- that time period as well. Um, or make appearances on different things on MTV. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of heard some of the music and was well aware of the, the image and, what the what the deal was
2: i had neither listened to them or seen them live but like you i had seen them as a part of sort of culture i think they were i think like they got either arrested or were warned about like their displays of violence and sex and that kind of stuff sexual innuendo in in the 90s i want to say like you know probably traveling through certain southern states that that happened I'm not Mm -hmm. sure where, but I I think that that popped up on, you know, the MTV news more than once. And I also remember, I don't know if you remember this, Jay, but when we worked at the radio station at Bowling Green's uh, Falcon Radio, Mm -hmm. they would often have ticket giveaways Mm -hmm. that we would announce on air. And it was usually for Columbus at the Newport or it was at uh, Toledo at the Asylum. And I'm pretty sure Guar was the giveaway more than once. Yeah. win guar tickets. And we had bumpers with like guar music. We're like, win tickets for guar by listening to blah 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 and being the numb whatever caller and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's my exposure to guar. So now see, have you seen them live? So uh yeah, I've seen them live a couple times. Um
0: but not not back in uh what I I would assume is their heyday. Um I saw them live probably circa two thousand eight ish. Um, and then another once or once and a half since, uh, at, at different, uh, festival appearances. So, you know, uh, it, with Guar on the bill, I, in between bands, I can definitely, uh, manage to swing 20, 25 minutes to catch them, uh, in between that, but, uh, I've definitely seen them, uh, I've, I've gone out and paid to see a Guar show, uh, before it is definitely it's a sight to be seen.
2: I would imagine so. So a little history on the band for everybody who's not familiar they were from or they are from Richmond Virginia they are still active uh started in 1984, and uh they've had a lot of members. The main i guess I, I guess what happened was there was actually a couple different bands there were two different bands that were formed that came together to form Guar, which seems very appropriate. Uh, One was called (laughs) Death Piggy, and it was fronted by um, Dave Brockie, who I believe passed away Mm -hmm. a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, 2015 or 16, I think.
2: Uh, Heroin Overdose in 2014. Yeah. Yes. 14, Um, okay. But they have actually gone on and, and other people... So they was playing a particular character, and other people have stepped in to play characters to... Not necessarily his character, but... Filled the role um, Of think, his character
0: Yeah I, I don't think I think they retired the uh, the character I think his name was
2: Odorus Arungus Yes
0: uh, I, I definitely don't know if I'm pronouncing that right But um, but yes I, I've seen them since And they, they, that same character was not on the stage
2: So currently there are no original members In the band This is like an 80's metal band This is like mm-hmm. when like Rat Tours And like you know there's nobody from it's only Bobby Blotzer. So the original lineup was, uh, as mentioned, it was Dave Brocky and then uh, Ben Eubanks, who played the character of Johnny Slutman. I love the names. <laughs> Ross Bohorsky, yeah, which was Mr. That. Magico, uh, which is not all that scary. Um, Chris Bothpest on bass, uh, he played Balsack. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Sean Sumner, who had no nickname. He was the drummer. So the drummer got, uh, but he was replaced a year later by, um, Jim Thompson, who played Hans Svichter slash Hans Orifice. And then he was the drummer for a number of years. We're not going to go through all the names and just go to the Wikipedia page and you'll, you'll get uh, the, the list. pretty of, extensive. It's pretty extensive. It's pretty amazing.
0: Um, most of those characters don't, don't actually even make it all the way to 1990, uh,
2: do that no no the
0: only one that i saw ball sack is still on there but uh everybody else was replaced
2: right so this is their second record came out in 1990 first record was hell O. came out in 1988 scum Scum dogs of the universe came out in 1990 on metal blade records of course um it is to date the band's best-selling record and it it's concept album explaining how Guar the Scum Dogs, their reign of terror over the uh, planet Earth, and uh, cool. on this record is Otis Arungus Arungus, uh, Dewey Rowell, who played uh, Flatus Maxi- Maximus, uh, Mike Dirks who is Ballsack the Jaws of Jaws of Death, Michael Bishop on bass, Beefcake the Mighty, Brad Roberts on drums who played. Jismac Degusha. Uh Danielle Stamp on backing vocals. She was Slimenstra Hyman. And uh Chuck uh, also contributed uh vocals Chuck Varga, who was the Sex executioner. Don Draculich, Sleazy P. Martini, he did the vocals on Slaughterama. So there that's everybody that was involved in this record. So interesting to note, the there's two songs that were not included in all the versions so track five the years without light and track 13 cool place to park they're only on certain versions of the release apparently this has gotten a, a number Ooh. of different releases now if you go onto like spotify i believe or whatever streaming service you use that has this um it should have all 13 um so you might be holding a CD in your hand and being like there's only 11 songs on this record like nope actually there were supposed to be 13. I'm I'm not sure of the why that uh didn't you know stay consistent across uh, all releases but that's what the uh the Wikipedia says. So the one I listened to at all 13. Okay. So they have been consistently releasing records. They have albums out basically from 88 to 2017 every 2 to 3 years. And in the 90s, they were even more consistent. It was like every other year or every year. So and that was, I get, like you said, that was kind of their heyday. So let's get into talking about this record. Scum Dogs of the Universe, 1990, from War. This was your first time listening to this, right, OC? So tell us one thing you liked about this record.
0: Well, I, I have to say, I, I might be at a little bit of a disadvantage
2: than some of your
0: guests because I think there's a lot of people who come on and uh, pitch something that's uh, really, really uh, close to them, uh, or, or you have some experts on a roundtable. But uh, I just I, I'm familiar with Guar. This is actually the first time I've uh, this is actually the first time I've dove into a record of Guars just to uh, kind of unpack it. Um, but after listening to Scum Dogs, uh, I, I think the, the greater Guar universe uh, is pretty entertaining. Uh, it's clearly, uh, it, it's definitely a love-hate band for uh, just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's a, I think it's a band that you have to take uh, with a bit of a sense of humor at times. Uh, and if you can't look at that, you're, you're not going to make it too far into the record. Uh, and you know, e- even then there's probably some things that are too offensive for my taste, but I think that, uh, just, uh, humor and entertainment, uh, it, it works on a lot of levels for me, uh, if you can
2: take it lightly. Okay. Jay, what's something that you liked about the record?
1: Well, I think it's a pretty, uh, interesting mashup of, um, heavy sounds, you know, I, uh, Actually, some of this sounds like uh, Anthrax, which is a band we just recently reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, both the John Bush era and the sort of earlier, thrashier era. Um, but then you hear like some Sabbath in here. You sh- hear some Metallica. I heard some L7. It gets a little bit alternative at times, um, which I was kind of surprised on. I was expecting it to be yeah um, pretty much pure metal all the time. Uh, vocally, they change it up enough to, to keep it, pretty, um, engaging, uh, between either having different singers or different styles of singing or sp- spoken stuff or whatever. Um, I think the part I liked the most though was the, the lead guitar stuff on here is actually pretty creative. And I think it helps a lot of these songs kind of reach a, a space that's a little bit more distinctive, um, musically really melodic. There's a couple parts on here, a couple guitar leads that even have like a alternative eighties feel to them. So Uh, like sick of you for example i I really like the guitar work on that song um i think it really elevates it to a you know uh to to actually being a pretty pretty fun like heavier rock song um so you know there's some moments on here where i think there's you know a ton of creativity and I, i think it's a it's a kind of a fun mix up of of everything from heavier punk to thrash to you know hard rock to metal so um, from that aspect, uh, I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, just to follow up on that, I think when I was listening to this, I was expecting just sort of uh, a goofy take on metal, but there was definitely a little bit more going on than I was mm-hmm. expecting. There's some of that like mid to late '80s like crossover between hardcore and punk, uh, mm-hmm. and or, or hardcore and and metal um, that you started to hear with like a band like you mentioned with anthrax but like suicidal tendencies or some other stuff that like sort of track eight uh vlad the impala is a a good example of that where it's not quite metal um they there is some like double kick stuff but it also kind of touches on a little bit of like 80s hardcore sound almost which is weird i wasn't expecting that like you said there's like almost in some ways like like an alt metal which again kind of weird i was not like expecting i was expecting like a straightforward kind of like in the way that like the misfits kind of stick to like one kind of sound or formula in terms of doing their uh um you know presentation uh, yeah. Which I did hear some some misfits in like the gang vocal stuff that mm-hmm. was going on in some of the songs. It was an obvious like yeah. you know nod to them, uh, but then uh, there was other times where I was like listening to it. and I'm like, this isn't far off from like a Quiet Riot song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah, it, it touched they, on a lot of different things.
1: They approached some anthems. There's no doubt about that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It goes without saying though that you know like what OC mentioned. This is a band that's like heavily. Driven by their live show, so I was trying to like listen to this not just in terms of well, what are the, what do the songs sound like, but like I really tried to hone in on like the lyrics and like well what what would be going on, you know live. Mm-hmm. So like a song like Rama, Slaughterama Slaughterama I don't know what how have you said that? Yeah, like that to me like on record sounds kind of goofy and not all that like it sounds like a bad Beastie Boy song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when i put it in the like mindset of like well what would this be like live like this might actually be pretty entertaining live so it got me thinking about like comparisons to other soundtracks for like you know like the rocky horror picture show for example you know there's there's songs for that that i don't know that they necessarily work as well away from the visual presentation some of them do but not all of them and uh, it just got me thinking about like a band that relies so heavily on a visual presentation. Can they pull it off on a 13 song record? And I'm curious about you know not knowing enough about the band, how much of the visual is decided before the song is written, and how much of the song informs what they're doing visually. So I'll, I'll ask you this: Oh, see, when they're performing live, yeah. is it basically? a show in the sense that like there are speaking parts in between songs and like there's a story or is it that they're playing a bunch of songs and they have like some stuff going on during the songs?
0: I would say it's a, uh, there is a narrative to the live show uh though. There's not a whole lot of, uh it wouldn't be, you know, a lot of scenes without music. Um, like one of the notes that I took down was that, that, that the song Slaughterama, I, that that is kind of the prototypical type of Guar song that kind of reaches out to me, and uh, I think like okay, I see exactly what they would be doing on stage. Right, uh, Slaughterama. It, the, the song is kind of like uh, you know, it was a game show, and they reference uh, what killing hippies and Nazis and such, and right. Um, so during during the uh. You know it's it's a loose narrative. It's not going to be anything uh, uh, tied too tightly to the story, but you'd see them probably bring out some type of uh character and they I think every time I've seen them, I've seen a character get decapitated in the show and then uh there's a, there's you they'll do that for a, a song and then maybe they'll just that character will spray blood on the audience for you know, another two, three songs while they while they go to some songs that don't necessarily fit the
2: narrative. Okay, gotcha. So it's like Gallagher yeah, so, in that so way. For, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that, that's kind of a decent, a good, decent uh, analogy there. I mean, like, when I saw them in 2008, it was in the middle of a presidential race and uh, they pitted the, the characters uh, against each other in an intergalactic space wrestling ring. Both were decapitated and sprayed blood on the audience, and you know that that's just kind of what Guar does. Uh, and <laughs> th- there is a story, um, even if it's like, uh, even if it's broken up in like a into small little episodic portions that might not necessarily feed off of each other.
2: Gotcha, Jay. I don't <laughs> know about you, but um, you know, in listening to this, I'm reminded of there's a number of bands that like teeter on the edge of between like parody and you know, like steel Panther is like a parody of eighties metal. Yeah. But then you have a band like we've mentioned them before, like the upper crust. They're not really parroting. They're doing like a whole shtick. Like they have a whole thing that they're doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're different characters that they're not not making fun. They're paying homage but they're doing it in a way that's, fun and you know uh in character
2: right and i i was i think i was expecting this to be like a bunch of bad like metal used as a vehicle to tell these stories and these have these songs but there's actually like quite a bit of musicianship that's going on on these songs so it 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 makes it far less of a sort of a, a bad parody as much as like i i would have been curious or I I still be curious to read some interviews about like why they decided to go this direction because clearly there's enough talent where like you could have just written just like sort of I guess you'd say straight you know rock or metal songs but there there was Mm -hmm. clearly an interest in like horror and you know gore I I wonder if these guys were like you know really really into uh, you know Night of the Living Dead and that kind of stuff and that sort of like that's interesting yeah
0: yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what their uh, what, what the beginning
2: story of of all that is, but that uh, it, it's really
0: interesting to see uh, wh- where 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 they switched from basic punk roots to the whole theatrical performance.
1: Well, it's obviously similar to Kiss in that way, right? In terms yeah. of,
0: uh-huh.
1: they're they're probably closer that. to that in terms of like, yeah, I mean the music the the image is part of the music um at least mm-hmm. when it was started like you can't disconnect the two And there's characters there and
2: sure
1: i, I think this band took it a slightly different direction obviously um <laughs> but <laughs> I, I i have to admit you mm-hmm. know i i've always struggled with what i would consider i use the term like joke rock when i was younger and bands that were like t- trying to be too funny i like didn't i didn't Know how to take it. I didn't enjoy it very much. I'm finding as I get older, like I'm just able to understand it or at least just be more open to different things
2: lighten up so junior. I was
1: always huh
2: so lighten up junior
1: well <laughs> kinda, so I you know I get this more now one of one thing I thought about was um especially with Slaughter Ramos since we're talking about that song. do you guys remember the band Green jelly?
2: Mhm, yep, yeah, um.
1: So that was kind of musically the same kind of thing. Were they weren't they the same kind of image as Guar? I, I just remember that music video being played to death. Um, the
2: Three Little Pigs. The yeah. Uh that's a good question. I mean, I remember that getting played to I, death I too. I can't remember the video.
1: It was like a claymation style video. Yeah, it was and like musically. Animated. I think it sounded a lot like this.
0: I remember the song. Yeah, it does kind of. It, it does sound in the same
2: vein. Yeah, I don't know yeah. where what where they, no. they were coming from either.
1: They were a, a considered comedy rock.
2: Not as successful, I would say.
0: Well, I'm not sure what uh, yeah, I'm not sure what uh green green Jello are doing nowadays, but uh, um, I i, I Gwar's still playing.
2: Yeah. Yes, this is the show where people bet their lives to win something big. Cause when your
1: life is shit, then you haven't got much to lose I'm and
2: From
0: one interesting thing uh, when I was researching just a little bit of, uh, of the record is that they actually had their own Destinations Festival in Virginia uh, throughout like the, I, I don't know when it started, but it's the Guarbecue. So I, I don't think they do it every year, but uh, something meaningful is that uh, one of the last couple of Gwar-B-Qs that they had they actually gave a Viking funeral to uh, the character of Odorous. Which seems fitting for for them,
2: yeah, yeah. I think they have a bar. I think there's an actual Guar bar, a Guar bar. I think so. I, I'd have to. I want to double check that, but I'm pretty sure.
0: I mean, that, that kind of gets you know. I just find the uh, I find the Guar universe really interesting and kind of entertaining, uh, and you know, it, it, I'm sure that this is just a snippet of it. Uh, but from what I can tell, this is what the what a lot of fans say. This is the this is the uh the shining diamond in the discography.
2: Yep. Guar bar opened in 2015 in Richmond, Virginia. All right. So you got to make a, a pilgrimage.
0: <laughs> pilgrimage to, to Virginia. All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll wait till the next, maybe, maybe, uh, the next, uh, I'll wait till
2: the next Guar BQ. There you go.
1: I heard a lot of, um, I heard a lot of New York influence on this band. Did you guys hear that? Like,
2: there was definitely something and I I couldn't pin it down but now that you say that in terms of like their New York hardcore metal sound. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. kept
1: thinking of New York bands whenever when I heard them.
0: Sometimes when I heard the um when I heard the uh the, the punk roots especially like uh, I think you referenced Vlad the Impaler earlier, mm-hmm. I started thinking about some like uh, like Naked Raygun. Uh some some of that but uh when, when I, yeah, I thought of Naked Reagan when I heard some of the punk.
2: Hmm, interesting. That would not have been a band that I had would have brought up. It, not not but... all, not all the time, but uh, no, no, no but a... for that, yeah, I hear what you're saying.
1: What's up, with uh, sick of you? There's a uh middle section where he sings in this totally different voice. Is that the same singer or is that a different person? It kind of sounds like a little bit like. An alt version, alternative version of Bon Scott. You know what I'm talking about. In the <laughs> middle of that song, like he he says something like "Bring it down," and they like "Bring it down." And he goes into this like completely different voice. Is that a different person, or is that the that's the main um singer?
2: that is the lead guitarist Mike Dirks, Balsack, the Jaws of Death. Okay, he, he is credited with lead guitar, rhythm guitar, and backing vocals. I really
1: liked his voice. I was like, hey, I could hear a whole record of this guy singing.
2: (laughs) We need a ball sack (laughs) solo record. Yeah. I
1: kind of dig this.
0: Well, there's a lot of different singers on the record, yeah. So for them to not get to not let him shine a little bit more there, I don't know what the message was. But I don't
1: know. And I think I think this coming out in 1990 is also interesting. Like uh, 90 1990 is the year we've reviewed the least.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm. This sounds a little ahead of its time. I don't know. It doesn't sound like 1990 to me. Like it sounds more like maybe middle nineties sounds um, more
2: aware of itself than what you would expect in 1990.
1: Yeah, yeah. And production wise, it's like, I was expect, I would expect it to be a little bit tinnier sounding and like more right. reverby. I mean, not that there's not reverb on here, but we've reviewed some records from 90 where it's like huge echo sounds and like thinner tones and, you know, right. Like ladies production sounded like, this sounds pretty beefy. And, um, just musically is, for, I don't know, pretty unique for 1990. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about some of the references, but the way they bring some of these things together is—it seems a little ahead of its time, if I might say so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I never thought I would be this uh, impressed musically with Guar, but I guess I was just going <laughs> with such low expectations that.
0: There you go. I, I remember thinking about uh, after I said, "Yeah, yeah, let's, let's review Guar," then I'm like. What did I get myself into? I, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like my my expectations were all over the place because you know I I, I had seen them live and it is a very entertaining experience. Uh, but really, I I, I I had never had any interest in going back to listen to it and see if it stands on its own. And uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a good handful that I that that uh, are deserving of rotation, you know.
2: Well, we haven't gotten to the what we didn't like part yet. Right, right.
0: right. I I, I, I intentionally didn't want to say anything like that.
2: So let's talk about that. Jay, what what was it about this record that maybe you didn't like?
1: Well, I mean, vocally, it's limited. You know, the the main style of the vocal was a little tough to listen to a full record of. The style, I think the second half of this record gets, you know, kind of into a boilerplate Kind of format where there's not a whole lot of surprises left um, until the last song, uh, "Cool Place to Park." I think from "Horror of Yig" through "Sex Executioner," it's it's pretty predictable at that point. So you just kind of like, once you, once you kind of get the band through the first half of the record, the sef- second half is just, it seems like more of the same. I, I think that's my biggest thing I didn't like. It's just, this is a, it's a fun little, uh, creative thing. Um, and it's fun to have, you know, stories and different characters and this all the whole other world. Uh, I don't know that I need, you know, nearly an hour of it four to five songs of it is is great and fun and then after that it's like okay well i've kind of heard this already so just uh in general i think the band is a little bit limited and uh so it just gets a little bit boring uh and didn't say quite as engaged to the rest of the record as i did the first half
2: what about usc what was was there going through this stuff that maybe didn't work as well for you you know, I mostly
0: piggyback off of uh, what you guys just said. That the, the second half gets a little bit repetitive. Um, you, you know, you get what it gets more into more of what you just expect to hear from it. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, I I think there's times where I think the uh, I think I heard a little bit more chorus on the guitars than I really really liked. Um, but I, I kind of feel that just coming from the 80s maybe you're feeling some of that uh that hair metal guitar uh just kind of carry over but you know it, it, there's a lot of times where the the guitars just do hit you in the chest so i guess that, that i don't know maybe i'm being a little nitpicky on that but um i i'm not sure i also needed 13 songs of it yeah um, it, you know it, when i when i heard that there was an 11 song release uh and i think you mentioned um I forgot what two songs you mentioned. Was it uh, was a cool place to park and
2: years without light. And
0: uh, yeah, those were both that, that I probably would have skipped. And if, it, if I had 11 songs, uh, I probably would have been a little bit happier, but um, yeah, just a, a little bit, you know, I think the, you've said of, of several nineties albums, maybe we didn't
2: need to pack the CD with it. I'm genuinely surprised there are no skits. I would have mm-hmm. thought that this would be a band that yeah, would have yeah, yeah. a couple of skits between songs. Yeah. Well, executioner
1: Sexy- yeah. and Slaughter-Rama kind of get there, right? Pretty close, right? I wonder yeah. if they
0: have more skits in future
1: ones though.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's oh a good... boy, I hope not. <laughs>
2: Why you, you going to start going through the?
1: <sighs> uh, well, I just that, those are probably my least favorite. I mean, slaughterama was fun to listen to one time. But I can't imagine like, like my second and third time through, I was getting annoyed with it. Um, Sex Executioner, I found like difficult to listen to because at some point it's just like thrash metal with a guy yelling, like talking over it loudly. <laughs> you're just like, ah, oh, so there's a lot to take in. I can't. I don't know what to focus didn't necessarily
2: on. Necessarily need four minutes of it. Right. I believe that they start getting into skits on the 19. 19- 94 record this toilet earth uh which has a number of songs that are in like the you know 56 second to one minute and 28 second range that definitely okay. look like they would be skit length I uh, that, yeah i don't know that for sure but that's what just looking at the uh it's also 16 tracks oh boy <laughs> um i think the, the thing that I found that didn't work for me, and I, you brought it up, Jay, is I just found the uh the vocal sometimes got lost for me, where he's sticking to that like metal thrash format, and I actually couldn't even I couldn't make out the lyrics as clear. Like on the first couple tracks, I very very clearly can make out what the lyrics are, and then as they started mm-hmm. going to go into the record, because they were kind of getting the more formulaic sort of sounds, like you guys mentioned. I also found like the, the vocals became sort of less important. And and quite frankly, some of the humor is like a little dated for me in terms of like. Oh, sure. There is some, sure. there's some stuff that I know they're being outrageous. I know they're intentionally trying to shock people and stuff like that. But uh it just it just it didn't work. So, so some of that really didn't age well. No, no. And I don't think we need to talk about uh, why this didn't do more commercially or maybe on radio or.
1: Well, that's why I brought up Green Jelly, though, is because that video was like big that year. Like Yeah, it got but played, it wasn't. Yeah.
2: This has got some language issues.
1: True. And, well, there's some songs yeah. on here that not all of them do, do they?
2: Eh, most of them. And if they don't, they have some other issues. With regards to their humor and subject matter,
1: you know, yeah,
2: you know, does Executioner have a bunch of bad words? I don't remember, but I know that there's some other issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is definitely a cult band that is they're they're not getting out of that. There's no, no. way. Uh so let's talk overall rating were the album better ep or decent single oc i'm starting with you
0: so this one's hard for me um but all in all well one two three four five would, uh, would generally the scale of what, what was seven songs
2: what I was that uh seven to eight is like your 70s album you know
0: that's kind of where I'm at. There's a few that, that like you, you mentioned earlier, it, I, I have to cringe at despite, despite going in with a, you know, light sense of humor and trying to be entertained. I, I still, there's several songs and, and parts of songs that are just very cringe worthy. So, um, I'm at like seven songs. So I, I guess that's one of those, like just barely, a, a barely, uh, solid album. Um, you know, there's points where I, I could skip over, but, uh, you know, I, I think it works best as a whole. You know, I'd rather see... I, I'd rather hear a few back-to-back um, and see, see it play in the, like I said before, the greater Guar universe, as opposed to, you know, just you know, one here, one there. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go uh, solid album.
1: Okay. Jay. Uh, I'm at an EP. I've got the Salam... Mine, what is it? Minazer? Salaminer? i
0: read it as Salamanizer.
1: Salamanizer.
0: Salaminerizer. Uh, go.
1: S- Sick of You, King, Queen... I, I like the Cool Place to Park. It's different. I like that. Um, so I'm about off four or five songs. Uh, and I think this is a band that... Like, if I was friends with them or managing them i would encourage them to do eps i i don't know that like and make them like like super different too that would be kind of fun like because you can hear they can do some different things on the record it's just to do a whole record i felt like it got to this place in the the, like we mentioned in the second half where it's just like they're just making songs you know there's sort of a little bit out of ideas it's like well we gotta fill this record out and. A bunch of guar songs on it, so let's just write a bunch more songs. Whereas I think it would be fun if a band like this would be um, more focused on like doing these little like, EPs every year that are like very different, thematic, and like are yeah. more like stories, you know. I think that would be much more fun. So I- I'm at an EP,
2: I'm with you. I'm I teeter on, I'm at about five songs, and most of the same ones that you mentioned uh it doesn't quite get to an album status for me um i think it works well i mean if they had split this into two eps maybe it would work better but i needed some i just needed some more variety i feel like they could do it and pull it off in their style uh if they had taken some more chances in terms of the sounds because they almost go there in a few times a few occasions where they they play with some other sounds like you know like i mentioned uh you know, track Four Slaughterama has a very like Beastie Boys kind of feel, mm-hmm. licensed to ill feel to it, and I feel like they that's a good use of them playing around with that sound, and and they could have done that with some other different takes on things. Like, what would it sound like if they tried to do an '80s U2 song? I don't know, maybe it would sounded stupid, right. but. but what the hell, give it a shot. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm at. I'm at more of an EP, but I'm glad I listened to this finally because this is a band that I was like, I will probably never listen to that band, and now I'm like, eh, I actually kind of like a couple songs. I can, uh, I can see where people dig this. I I don't know if I would want to go to a show because I really don't want to have to get red blood, whether you know fake or not. I don't want to get that sprayed That's on me. True. So, uh, not not a fan of interactive audience participation at at things like that. Uh, so. Jay, maybe when maybe zora will get into this she likes she likes the metal
1: oh <laughs> um i wouldn't be surprised going forward if highly uh, theatrical interactive music is is what's popular live because
2: how does this not have a it, like a show on netflix why isn't there a guar <laughs> show
1: that's a good that's well, a good
0: act- well think about um what is the uh, the, the metalocalypse from uh adult swim you know it's kind of the same of taking metal to the nth degree to some to some extent right
2: i've actually never seen that have you guys ever seen that no oh,
0: okay no. yeah yeah it's um i mean it, it, there's no there's no monsters from space uh but it's the, the premise is still you know taking you know normal metal that is turned up to 11 to just, you know, double down and crank it even higher. So it, it's kind of, a uh, it, it's worth checking out. I, I don't want to give too much away, but, uh, it's, uh, it's worth checking out.
1: All right. Were, were either of you guys thrown by like, um, I was aware of the, like the, the supposed backstory where they're fr- supposed to be from space. I was like, why don't they sing more songs about their planet? <laughs> 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 why are all their songs well, they- about like, Middle class uh, East Coast <laughs> culture. <laughs> they sang uh what's the song? It's um,
0: Death, Death Pot. Pot. I forgot where it was on the album. Isn't that one about uh they how how Gwar came to Earth more or less?
1: Oh, is it?
2: Yeah, I I, th- I think it is. See, it, that's you, I, 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 that's an issue there because it should I be sequenced better. Of... Right, that see- needs to be sure. one. That should be track one. Like, here, we're explaining our story. We've come to Earth. We're the scum dogs of the universe. You know, like... Yeah. Give me the narrative in order.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's a fair criticism.
2: <laughs> and, and then they can get into
1: the... Their observations of American culture.
2: Right. Sure.
1: <laughs> Through the eyes of
2: uh it, it, Well,
0: if, if they're coming to earth this late on the second record what's the first
2: one about right. right planning to come to earth it's just all about the planning like we're building a ship we're getting the coordinates to earth
1: but but half seriously i'm like if you're gonna have a concept like commit to it <laughs>
2: you know? jay's very I'm, invested uh, in the story i need to go work. He all needs in. To fleshed out
0: I, i'd argue they're pretty committed
1: I don't yeah. know. Some they, they, of these materials making me ask questions. They've been
2: dressed
0: like that for 25 years.
2: <laughs> that's true. That's true. But they have their own bar now, so that's pretty cool. Uh, O.C. thank you for joining us on this episode. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do this for our Halloween second Halloween episode ever.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun for me, too.
2: Awesome. If you are a listener know that by being a patron you could have done this and maybe you can do it next year by joining us at patreon.com forward slash dig me out for just a buck a month you can join us to get bonus content you can be entered into contests to win stuff like this and like our fourth quarter contest that's coming up soon and also get uh, to vote in polls our monthly polls for albums we review they're suggested through our website and of course if you like what you heard Please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. So on this very scary episode <laughs> <laughs> for Jay, for for Jagged Knife Jay and Terrible Tim, we're out. And we'll be back next week with a ghoulish episode of Dig Me Out.
1: Thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our facebook twitter and instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com